Welcome to the 1717 Podcast, a ministry of Roseville Baptist Church with Pastor Jackie Hill. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is only truth and untruth. And Pastor Derek Ambrose. We have to stop searching for truth in our culture when God's already given us the answer. Jackie and Derek answer important questions with the truth of God's Word. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Here's your host, Derek Ambrosen. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode 30 of the 1717 Podcast. I'm Pastor Derek Ambrosen, and I'm joined by Pastor Jackie Hill. Jackie, it's good to have you back. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, I get told that I'm kind of too chill on here sometimes, but uh, with the the bronchitis and the uh, respiratory infection that I'm still dealing with a little bit. I might be a little more chill than normal. Okay. Okay. But, uh, it's good. It's good to be back. Hopefully I won't hack a lung on everybody. Yeah. That would be, uh, that'd be great to not happen. Yeah. I got the glorious COVID test came back negative. So that's good. Hallelujah. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's good to have you back. Uh, Drew and I held down the show this last week and, uh, you know, talked a little bit about infant baptism and believers baptism uh, which, you know, it was kind of a going through a kind of a tough subject to really cover there. There's a lot there, yeah, uh, a lot there. And I realized, you know, we can only in, in a half hour really just scrape the service uh, surface of it. So, uh, you know, we're doing a little bit um, less intensive a topic today, all, all about hell. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, less, it's less <laughs> just a little intense. less important. No, uh, a, a very big topic today about this is actually a question from um, Jamie Kurzweig, who was a youth student here at our church, but recently moved out of state. So shout out to Jamie for the great question. And he just asked for evidence throughout scripture of a literal hell. So what we're going to be talking about is hell, literal or figurative, because there is a, a movement for hell being figurative. I know there's different um, big name speakers out there, ones that I used to listen to in, uh, in youth group who don't believe that hell is a literal place. So I, I think it's worth digging into uh, as to what the Bible actually says about it, like we do with every topic on this show, so that as you guys listen, you have an idea of, you know, when people say hell is literal or figurative, who's right and what basis do they have? So uh, right off the bat, we're going to get into some scriptures that talk about hell is a literal place. We'll look at some um, scriptures that are just descriptions of hell, but doesn't necessarily say it's a literal place at the time. But I think putting the two together, we're going to have a pretty good idea about what scripture says about hell. So Jackie, go ahead and kick us right off. Uh, yeah, before before I read the first text, just to say that um, we're not going to really use the uh, passages of scripture that say Sheol. Mm. Uh, Sheol is a place of the dead, but it could also mean hell in the Older Testament yeah, in places point. it does. We don't really use any of those here on purpose because unless you really dig into the context and, and, and look at the language and all, it may not be hell. So we don't want to have any of that misunderstanding. We don't want anyone else to use that either. Um, there's plenty of scripture that talks about hell specifically. So we're going we're gonna to yep. talk about that. Good point. So uh, Revelation uh, 21 verse 8 it says, uh, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So it, it's mentioning it as a literal place, a lake of fire um, that has sulfur, and it's called the second death. Revelation 20.10, it says, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. So it's listed as, a, as like a, it's a literal place. They're thrown into it. It's where they are. 
And then it says they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. So um, both those, Revelation 21, verse 8, Revelation 20, 10, uh, describe it uh, as a literal place. Yeah, good uh, good scriptures there. Uh, also, just a side note, as you read Revelation 20, 10, that um, something that jumped out at me that I think is a good reminder to throw out there. Uh, I don't know why there's this belief for some people that uh, Satan is the ruler of hell. Yeah. Um, he's not, no, that's not how it works. We like to look at it that way because I don't know why we want to give him any sort of, uh, throne or dominion, but, uh, yeah, just because Satan's wicked doesn't mean that he rules over the most wicked place. No, he, he is a, he is a victim of hell. He is one who is, um, going to be thrown into the lake of fire. So I think there's this belief out there that people just have for whatever reason that he rules, that he is the king of hell. God is the king of all yeah. things. He's the um, king of no- Satan's the king of nothing. Yeah, it's only by God's grace and his purpose that he allows uh, Satan to not even be there right now. Exactly. That's what I say. He's not there right now. Yep. He's roaming around the earth yep. seeking for someone to devour. So he he's not there yet. He will be, but he's not there yet. Yep. And he will absolutely never be the king of hell. So if, if you have that belief, get that out of your head. We see that nowhere in scripture. Thankfully, Second uh, Peter 2, 4 says, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgments. And then he, he goes on continuing because we have a semicolon there. But the point is that even angels are being cast into hell. So a, a literal place there. You can't be cast into a figurative um, you know, place or nothingness there and committed them to these, to these chains until judgment does happen. Mm-hmm. So we get a, a very clear, this is a literal thing happening. Matthew 8, verse 12 says, But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, again, outer darkness. This is a place that's not where they are. So it's to a different place that is outside. It's, it's dark. It's away from, uh, you know, we, I think we get the, the idea this is away from the presence of the Lord. But the point is, this is still a very um, yeah. specific physical place that we see weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah, words mean things. Yep. Yeah. Amazing how that works. <laughs> In that place is what it said. Uh, Matthew 13, 49 and 50. Uh, so it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so again, it's, it literally says in that place, there is, is a location. Um, Revelation 20, again, and now in verses 13 through 15, it says, And the sea gave up the dead who were in, the, in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. Uh, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, it was he was thrown into the lake of fire. So Hill here describes a lake of fire, but the point being, it's a literal place that people are thrown into. Mm-hmm. And they're they're placed into. And so if we look at at the sea as a literal place where things are coming out of it here in Revelation twenty thirteen, then we also have to say that the other place that they're going into must also be a literal place. Yep, and we see lake of fire mentioned three times in that verse, just in case. Uh, you know, we need to drive that home a little bit. It's definitely there. But one note I wanted to make on these two is, and we'll see this as we really get into, uh, you know, one of our next sections about just descriptions of hell, is that anytime that metaphors are used to describe hell, 
we shouldn't look at them and say, hey, those are metaphors, so they must not be literal, which means hell doesn't actually exist. Right. No, we should look at them and say, wow, that's a terrible picture, but it's probably much worse than what we can even imagine because mm-hmm. we don't, you know, we, we know even through scripture, there's some things that God explains or even like reading Revelation where John says, like words can't explain all that that I see and he's using what he can the best of his ability to describe the things that that are indescribable. Right. And so I think we we can use that same thing with these pictures of hell and see that metaphors are used to help describe a picture of something. So it's fair to assume that hell is very literal and much worse than what we can imagine. So as we get through these different descriptions, don't just say, ah, well, look, they're different descriptions. This must just be a figurative, you know, whatever doesn't matter. No, that's just telling us it's much worse than what these writers can even put into our language. Right, because heaven is described in metaphors. Yep. And the same people that are going to say, well, hell's not a literal place, are going to say heaven is a literal place. And of course that it is. But just because it's described in metaphors doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's just this is the best attempt that we can have in language that we can understand to describe what is something that is almost undescribable. Mm-hmm. So when, <clears throat> excuse me, when we look at um, j- just some drawbacks to hell as a, as a figurative place, because of course, you know, I think there's, there's a part in people who want hell to be figurative because, well, then we don't have to go there and there's, there's no threat to go there. But I, I think we can get into some trouble pretty quick if we do that, because we see in scripture, there are clearly passages that are figurative. They're written that way. You see some of the Psalms, uh, the Song of Solomon is that way. Some descriptions in Revelation we know to Daniel. be that way. Yep, Daniel, yes. Mm-hmm. There is plenty of them that they are written that way on purpose. We've said before on this podcast, Genesis is not one of those, even though people like to try to make Genesis yeah, it's, figurative. It's historical narrative. Yep. So these, all of those ones I just mentioned are very clearly poetic. And even in that, that poetic form, we can still take a lot of truths from those things. Absolutely. <clears throat> but deciding that hell is figurative has no biblical backing. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more as we continue, uh, especially when it appears to clearly be a literal place throughout all of Scripture. If hell becomes figurative, then the whole Bible can be figurative because there's no basis for determining literal ver- versus figurative. If the words of Scripture no longer mean what they actually say, then it's completely up for interpretation, and they ultimately have no authority because mm-hmm. it's just my interpretation of Scripture versus yours and our uh, you know, cultural take on it. That that's yeah. not authoritative anymore. That's my words yeah. and your words, which mean nothing. And side note, uh, there's only really one interpretation of scripture. Uh, there's many applications, yep. but only one interpretation. Mm-hmm. And it would be a, a terrible decision to interpret God's word as figurative when there's no evidence of it being figurative. Yes. Authors of books of the Bible use figures of speech and metaphors to portray their thoughts. And we do that today still. Uh, but that should never take away from the truths being spoken or written. Yeah, like and when you read Song of Solomon, which is also very figurative. Yep. And he's describing his uh, wife and her teeth are like goats uh, dancing mm-hmm. on the the mountainside. We don't think that she's a fake person. She's not yep. really a person, right? We yep. also don't think that her teeth are goats either. No. We we that would we, be something. we understand this. It's just yep. the reason people want to say that it's figurative is because they don't like the idea of hell. Yeah. They they don't want that to be a thing. Um, and, uh, we'll get into it a little bit more, but it doesn't have to be a thing for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can be rescued from that, but we should always be reading scripture as written and taking it, it literally at face value, unless the context indicates otherwise, like what you pointed out, a simple reading of the text is always the best approach. And the best commentary on the Bible 
is the Bible. And so as we read it, instead of trying to put our opinions and our views on it and try to shape it to fit what we believe, we need to allow the scripture to shape our beliefs. Yep. 100%. So now we're going to get into some of the verses that uh, we don't see speaking as literal places of hell, but more now descriptions of hell. Cause I think we've established that hell is indeed a literal place. Uh, through some of those verses, we also saw descriptions of it. You see lake of fire, uh, the, the burning of fire and sulfur, uh, but uh, there is there's plenty more there about some descriptions of hell. So, uh, Jackie, kick us off. Yeah, and and one other one other side note, we're only really scratching the surface here. Yep. I mean, really, I mean there 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 are more verses about hell in the Bible than there are heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but Revelation two eleven, uh, Jesus speaking to the churches, he said, "He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt." by the second death. And so hell is described as a second death, which is connecting it to the uh, curse of sin back in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned, which we will always like to go back to Genesis. And uh, the day you eat of this, you will surely die. When they did, they died spiritually, but they also have a second death coming too if they did not turn to Christ. Mm -hmm. And Revelation 14.11 says, And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, they have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark mm. of his name. So we see this torment that goes forever and ever. No rest day and night. So some descriptors there. And, and I mean, you and I know when you stay up too late, you don't get much sleep, just how terrible it feels. Yeah, you're talking. Yeah. This is a continual cycle while being yeah. tormented. Eternal. It, yeah. Yeah. Not, not great. Not anything you want a part of. Uh, and seconds. Thessalonians 1.9 says they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So we see now very clearly away from the Lord, away from God in this uh, eternal destruction. Again, uh, not another thing that I would ever want to be a part of. No, uh, Jude 1.7, talking about Sodom and Gomorrah uh, as an example to us, uh, earthly example of what hell will be like. It says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So it's an example of what hell will be. It was, it was like hell on earth, uh, mm-hmm. what they went through. And that's what hell uh, will be like. Jude one thirteen. Continuing talking about um, wickedness and those who are living in unrepentant sin away from Christ, um, without Christ, says that their wild waves of the sea that cast up their own shame like foam, their wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. So again, we have that eternal forever thing. It, it doesn't go away. It's a real place that lasts forever. And it's described as black darkness. Um, which which is interesting to me because it's, it's also described as a place of fire, and you'd have light with fire, mm-hmm. but also a place of darkness, which you know means that so these descriptions may not be exactly what it's like, but it, maybe that's what it feels like. It yeah. feels like you're burning all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you feel like you're you were blind on earth. Now you're eternally blind. You you yeah. don't see and understand, and you're just in pain and don't have answers. Yeah, that's just that's miserable. Well, yeah, and connecting that back to the the verse earlier that um, Jesus talked about saying, you know, this was a place of outer darkness. So when he talked yes. about the literal place, outer darkness, yep. now we have this black darkness. So those, I think, are very, you know, very much connected. And, you know, just another thing comes to mind. We know <clears throat> Jesus is the light of the world. 
And if this is complete darkness, we know Jesus ain't going to be there. Right. Um, yeah. and, and Jesus yeah. has been providing light since before day one. You yeah. know, we see that in, in the Genesis account, even before the sun, there is light. How? Well, we have yeah. Jesus there. So you just see this time of there, there's nothing. Black darkness, completely the absence of light. What a contrast. Yeah. Daniel 12, 2 says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Mm. So again, another big contrast there, very clear, where some are going and some are going um, the other direction. Yeah, and you know, it, it, we've all felt ashamed or felt shame before. Can you yep. imagine eternal, everlasting shame? Like, you have that feeling all the time? Yeah, that, no, <laughs> I, could, I could not imagine <laughs> no. that. Uh, Isaiah 66, 24 says, And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me, for their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Wow. What what image there? This The worm uh, shall not die. Yep. Yeah, fire never been quenched. Um, you know, that obviously from the prophet Isaiah as he's um, prophesying about uh, what's to come and uh, terrible, terrible pictures of, of what this description could be like. Yeah, and and so the last couple of things we look at here um, as we're going through some more scripture about hell is we thought it'd be a good idea to uh, look at what Jesus said in the Gospels uh, and how he described hell and and how he mentioned it as a literal place. But it's also important for us to understand that if the scripture says something, Jesus says it because Jesus is God. So I know a lot of people are like, well, what does Jesus never spoke about that? Or what does Jesus have to say about it? If it's in the Bible— he said it. Jesus said it. Yeah. And, but uh, here directly, we're having direct quotes where Jesus, when he was on earth, yep. said this. So, Mark 9, starting in verse 43 uh, If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire where the worm does not die. So, he, Jesus is. Pointing back to that Isaiah passage you just read, Isaiah 66, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life lame than having your two feet be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Again, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 66. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So Jesus said a lot about hell right there. Yep. And you love to see the the connection back to um, the the prophet Isaiah yep. because his, uh, his audience would have known what Isaiah was saying. So mm-hmm. this is, again, referencing back to that, this is not just figurative this was very much, there was a ton of significance here because if it was just figurative, if he was just trying to scare the people and say, hey, don't sin with these parts of your body because it's bad for you, he would not go back and quote an Old Testament prophet who was speaking specifically about the coming judgment. Right, and the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. We say that all the time. Uh, That's not an original thought with us. That came from Dr. Adrian Rogers years and years ago. Mm -hmm. But the point being is that that Isaiah 66 passage does not specifically explicitly state hell. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't even have that word. I mean, Sheol sometimes is hell in, in the Old Testament, but Sheol is not even used there. But Jesus, mm. his commentary is is making it clear that this is what Isaiah 66 is describing. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. Because yeah. he says to go into hell, hell. and then and the then unquenchable he, fire, yes, the worm that does not exactly. die. So then it gives that fullness of meaning to that one yep. in Isaiah that he really yep. fulfills. 
Matthew 3, 12. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. All those he's and his's that are capitalized, we know that is about the Lord. So this is separating the wheat and the chaff as, as far as the believers, the unbelievers, those who are truly regenerate and those who are not. And it says he will bring the wheat into the barn and burn up the chaff with this unquenchable fire. Yep. So again, that same, same terminology. Used, yes. We know what we're talking about there. In Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. So again, talking fearing the Lord, yep. because I hey, guess what? We don't have the, the capacity to put anybody into hell or into heaven. Thankfully, we don't have that capacity, but but God does, and he's the one we ought to fear and, and respect for that reason. Yeah, and, and sometimes uh, we we act like we do. We'll, we'll you know, say, you know, to hell with them or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, what a terrible thing for us to say. We yep. we, we don't think of um, you know H E double hockey sticks as a a major curse. You yeah. know, there are other four letter words that we would look at as worse. Yeah, but if we're wishing that upon somebody, I mean, can you wish anything worse upon no. somebody? Um, Based on these descriptions, uh, I no, would say no. No, uh, Matthew twenty or excuse me, Matthew twenty three, <clears throat> verse thirty three. Uh, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Jesus talking to the Pharisees there, and uh, he's telling them, that, you know, you guys, because of your sin, your unrepentant sin, and rejecting me, you're you're going to be sentenced to hell. Uh, Matthew twenty five forty one, and in Matthew twenty five, there's a lot about hell there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matthew twenty five forty one, Jesus says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Side note. Talk about predestination just for a minute. Mm. Um, if people were predestined for hell, why was hell not created for them? Mm. The verse says that, that it was eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So no one was ever intended to go there. Yeah. It wasn't even made for that. It was made to punish the devil and his angels. Um, Jesus also said in Matthew 25 and verse 46, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So if we view eternal life, heaven is a literal place. Um, in the same sentence, he's talking about eternal punishment, hell as a literal place. So back to that as well. Um, but uh, Jesus, just, Jesus said a lot about hell. Yeah, and just to stay in Matthew 25, verse 30, says, throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. So there's the outer darkness again. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Matthew 13, if we jump back a little bit, verse 47 through 50, we get similar language where it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm, So we we get that picture again, kind of like the wheat and chaff going to be that same description the angels are going to come and just like good fish and bad fish excuse me they will separate them and again some will be going to the place of the weeping and gnashing of teeth yeah luke luke 12 5 we got a couple more here in luke 12 and then um we'll be wrapping up but uh, luke 12 5 uh, he says jesus says i will warn you uh whom to fear Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. I tell you, fear him. So same, we talked about something similar before, but again, mm-hmm. Jesus talking about hell. Uh, Luke 12, uh, 47 through 48. 
In a parable, he says, that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in according with his will received many lashes, but the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of flogging received few. For everyone who has been given much, much will be required, and to him that have entrusted much to him all the more. And you say, well, that never mentions hell. Well, it, it's talking about eternal punishment. Um, same kind of thing, the separating of the wheat and chaff, the, the, the slaves that obeyed the master, the slaves that didn't. I wanted to include this because slave also, or excuse me, hell also has different degrees and we see it in these slaves, mm. right? So those who knew the will and didn't do it, they were beaten with many lashes. Those who didn't understand that still died in their sin, they still went there. They just didn't receive as much punishment. I, th- I think that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Int- and something that I think can't dig too much into because I, I don't think we can just fully understand. What no, no, like. but, it, but it's, in, it's interesting. <clears throat> and uh, e- so I guess even there, you know, we see the grace of God. Yeah. Uh, but grace and hell is. <laughs> it's still it's hell. Still, it's still hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so as we we close and and summarize, we wanted to bring up the word in the New Testament for hell, uh, because I think there's uh, some interesting context around that, especially when we look at how Jesus uh, points to it and describes it. So, uh, Jackie, go ahead and give us that. Yeah, so the the word translated hell in the Newer Testament is Gehenna, and it's the word that that is describing hell. Jesus uses it anytime he talks about hell. And Gehenna was actually a literal place called the Valley of Gehenna, and it was right outside of Jerusalem on the south side. I've seen it um, the, both times I went to Israel. They pointed it out. And I, I remember what I was talking about a little bit, and I asked if you remembered that, but a Gehenna is actually an English transliteration of a Greek form of an Aramaic word, uh, which is derived from a Hebrew phrase. So we got all three languages here uh, that, that are in the Bible. And the Hebrew phrase that this is derived from is the Valley of of the sons of Hinnom. So that's where the word Gehenna comes from. That's the actual root of it. And it was the place in the Older Testament where children were sacrificed in fire to the false god Moloch. And we've talked about Moloch particularly. We talked about a lot on our show about abortion. But you see that valley mentioned in 2 Kings 16.3. You see it in 2 Chronicles 33.6. And you see it in Jeremiah 7.31. Now, in addition to that, um, this valley right outside of the city walls of Jerusalem in the, in the south side is where dead bodies would be thrown. Um, bodies of criminals uh, would be cast there, and it was a, a smoldering, fiery heap of trash and a death and decay. And so when Jesus walked this earth, the Valley of Gehenna, um, which again in the Older Testament was known as the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom, was a place of constant fire, a trash heap, a dump for uh, the people there in first century. And worthless things were thrown there. And sadly, people that were considered worthless were also thrown there uh, to perish. So when Jesus is speaking of hell, and he uses the word Gehenna, um, when we see hell, that's the word in, in the New Testament, Gehenna. He was using this literal, fiery city dump as an illustration or a metaphor of what hell would be like for all eternity. So if you understand that, anytime Jesus mentions it, they would have understood he's pointing to an actual literal place on this earth. Um, now, he's also then using that to speak of an eternal place uh, in, in the spiritual realm. But fire was definitely a part of it. And there was this pur- purposeful casting of way um, from the presence of, of life. Um, there's death there. Um, there's separation, loss, 
mm-hmm. pain, suffering, horror, all that was part of it. So Gehenna was a real place. And so if Gehenna was a real place and Jesus used that to describe hell, then we must also assume that hell is a real place too. And that's why it's so important for us to share the gospel because Jesus wants to rescue us from hell. Uh, Derek, uh, you can have the last word as we uh, wrap this show up. Yeah, so uh, amidst the debate about whether hell is literal or figurative, Scripture is abundantly clear that hell is a very real place that those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ will be residing for all of eternity. We do not know all of what hell will be like and how many of the descriptions are literal, but we do know enough to not want to go there ourselves nor wish that upon anyone else. Thankfully, God has provided us a way to be spared from hell in the death and resurrection of Jesus. If only we put faith and trust in him as our Lord and Savior. And I just want to close out with John three sixteen and 17, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That concludes today's show. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate your support. God bless, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the 1717 Podcast. If you have any questions, please connect with us on Twitter or email us at 1717pod at gmail.com.